You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to share a scripture verse with you. It's from Isaiah 45, and it says, And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And I I think sometimes when we're going through, like the song talked about, sometimes the dark night of the soul, the times where hard times, things we don't really want to go through, I'll read this scripture verse and I'll give you treasures hidden there. That as you go through it and as you walk through it, there'll be things that I've placed there for you. I was thinking of, I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about Psalms 23. And I think that that paints such a beautiful picture. But in it, it says, oh, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Whenever I read that, I picture just darkness. It's so dark. And he says, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Another version says, for you are with me. And I have this picture of this person walking in utter darkness and saying to themselves, for you are with me. I may not be able to see it right now but you are with me, but you are with me, that I can take the next step and the next step because I know that your rod is there and your staff is there to comfort me, to lead me, to guide me, to make sure that I make it through this. And I felt that this morning that for some of us walking through those places that it's like, I can't even seem to see my way out of this, that you would say to your soul, he is with me. take the next step. I don't need to be afraid. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear this place. For you've hidden treasures there for me. For your name. For the glory of your name. And so, Father, I pray over every person here, any person that's walking through those dark nights, afraid to take the next step. I speak to your soul. I speak strength to your soul. For he is with you. And you will walk through this. As he orders your steps, his rod and his staff comforts you. And so I pray comfort over you. In Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, praise and worship team. I am so excited for who we have today. They are two people that are the most dear to me, to my family, to this church. They have been a part of this body since 
a long, very long time. Since the very beginning, since I was a little cross-eyed girl. <laughs> they have stood with this church. They have stood with many of you. They stood alongside my father. They've been through many times in my family, um, growing up and in my family today, stood alongside us and prayed and walked us through many dark nights as well. They are people of incredible integrity. They can be trusted. They are people of the word. And I think what I love about them so much is I can message them and they're their take, I don't, I don't, that's not the right word, but their take on scripture. Yeah. Their discernment, the, the way that they have, they're so full of the word. They're so full of the word. How much wisdom comes from them is amazing. And so I want you to welcome them with open hearts and open arms and open open minds and open lives and welcome them, David and Jeannie McGrew. Good morning, church. Good morning, Embassy Church. It is our joy to be here with you this morning, and I am so thankful for the work that God is doing in your hearts and lives today. You know, God is good. I want to read a scripture to you from Psalm 136. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. I'm mindful today as, as Megan brought forth that uh, utterance by the Spirit of God. You know, sometimes we think people are just talking, but this is a prompting by the Holy Spirit to strengthen and encourage your hearts, to remind you that no matter what you're facing, He is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you alone. Assuredly not. Assuredly not. No, never. No, never. Assuredly not. For the Lord is with you in the midst of you to to strengthen you. He is the one that upholds you at all times to keep you from falling. And I love the song that we were singing tonight or this yeah, this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's just dark. That in the midst of the darkness, God comes as light. With you, he is the light. When you're walking through the darkness, he is the light. And he illuminates your path. And it's as you have the ability to just simply lift your hands and say, praise the name of Jesus. I praise the name of Jesus. I praise the name of Jesus in your tears, in your sorrow, in your confusion, in your frustration, in your anger, in your weeping, praise the name of Jesus. Father, I'm, my eyes are looking to you. I don't understand this, but my eyes are on you. So I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to say, you are good. You are good and your mercy endures forever. And you will find that as you open your mouth and lift up your voice and begin to magnify his name, the light does dispel the darkness, the heaviness, the 
obscurity, all of the things that are weighing you down begin to lift off of you. It won't disappear immediately, but the longer you stand there <laughs> and give God the glory, you will find there's a supernatural power that comes into your heart that actually strengthens you and your praise becomes a little bit stronger and your, your inner man gets strengthened and you think to yourself, I can overcome this. I can. And you know, all you have to do is get through that moment. That's all you have to do is just get through that one moment where your mind is being assaulted with the lies of destruction and fear and adversity. Just get through that one moment, lifting your hands and praising his name. And I am guaranteeing you that God will move supernaturally on your behalf as he comes by his spirit while he is with you to strengthen you to stand. <laughs> he will strengthen you to stand in, in the midst of adversity because he is good. He is good. He is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Can we praise the name of Jesus together? Can we magnify his name? Can we exalt him forever in the midst of our pain? Can we lift our voice and say, he alone is worthy? Amen. Amen. Love you all. You have to use the microphone. I have to use the microphone, Jane. It's a, I'm humbled to be here. We both are. I don't know that we know all of you, and I could only guess at it because I can't actually see you. But I know I see bodies moving. I know they're not just puppets or blow-up balloons or something because I see action. I do see that. I see men as trees sitting in chairs. But uh, those of you that I do know and those of you that I don't yet, we want to pass on our, our thankfulness for who you are, for the way you stand, for the work that you're willing to let God do in your heart and increase you. It's been our great joy and privilege to be some of your friends for the last almost 40 years, over 35. And it is, uh, I think I can speak for Gene as well, one of the greatest treasures of our heart and life. So we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the way that you open up yourselves and receive us like you do year after year. We've grown a little bit older together. Some of us have a little bit wiser, hopefully. And here we are. If you have a Bible or an electronic device, see if you can't open it up to John chapter 8. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask that you speak what you would like to say to us all in the way that you would like to say it, plainly, clearly. Revive our hearts, revive our minds. And we thank you, Lord, for your, the winsome way you draw us towards you with your love, with your spirit, and with your truth in Jesus' name. Many good things, like in any chapter, but we're going to pick up... Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 21 and read for about oh, 10 or 15 verses before the morning's over. Don't have to comment on a lot of them, but I just want you to get the flavor. There's certain ideas that I want you to see. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is your continuing relationship with the Lord Jesus. Later on, we're going to see in this chapter where people are wanting to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and Jesus wants more out of them than just coming to the door. He wants, he wants them to know that to be free, to be free indeed, we'll read that verse, they have to continue in his word. 
And that means more than like just coming to church on Sunday. It actually means more than just reading your Bible. It means to keep practicing your word. I don't know if you ever think about it, but I have to practice the scriptures. And some days I swing my scripture bat and I hit the ball. Some days I swing it and I miss it by a mile. And the next day I have to get back up and work on my stance and I have to work on my swing and I have to work on everything I do, my walk, the way I go to the bases. I have to work on every aspect of my spiritual walk and my, my life with Christ because if I don't, if I don't, it just all goes apart. I haven't played baseball in a long time, but this story occurs to me right now. It's probably been 20 years since I played a ball game. I was very good at baseball, actually. It took me a while, but I was very good at it. And so I was playing as a grown man. They wanted to have kind of a church baseball game. And somebody hit the ball, they hit a grounder right to me, and I bent down to pick it up. But when I was seven years old, when I went down this far, it was the ground. But when I was 40 years old, I missed it by two feet. So I clearly had not been practicing and all my team members got real excited because I missed such an easy hit. What happens spiritually is if you don't practice, if you don't keep things in mind, if you don't stay limber, then distances change. Bubbles move. Things happen so you can't actually do what you once did spiritually as well as naturally. So you, 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 just, you don't have to... You don't have to I play ball hard every day. You just got to do something to keep yourself loose and moving and working. And you need to practice your Christianity. Actively practice your Christianity because it'll every day pull on your love. It'll pull on your, your attitudes. It'll pull on your heartstrings. And you just have to go back, see what the scripture says and see what the right play is and see what you can handle. So Jesus is talking to these people, his disciples there, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, both groups, I think. So it says in verse 21, so he said to them again, so he didn't mind preaching the same story twice, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Now notice, notice what we're talking about here. We're talking about sin. You'll die in your sin. That's a tough thing to say to somebody that came to church. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, hmm, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. You guys don't get it. You're just fleshly. I'm from above. You're earthly. I'm spiritual. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. So we're still talking about sins. So he says, I told you you'd die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe I am he, I'm the one that came to take away the sins of the world. So, they said to him, who exactly are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the very beginning. It's one thing to be ignorant because no one told you. It's one thing to be ignorant because you don't understand. It's a whole other matter to say, I don't want to understand this. And that's where we get into trouble in our faith. Because in every one of our lives, there's something that bumps up against us that says, you have to change, you have to lay this aside, you have to pick this up. Where we say, I'm sorry, the volume was up too loud. I didn't quite hear that. He says... 
just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I got a lot to say to you. He's a good preacher. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but I'm not going to do it right now. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. So sometimes the preacher knows things that the preacher can't say, including Jesus. And of course, they did not understand what he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. Just as Gene said, just as the song said, just as Pastor Megan said, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. And we've talked about this word before, and this, again, bear with me, be patient with me. There's a whole different idea um, in believing about Jesus and in believing some of the things that Jesus said or believing that what Jesus did was the truth. Most everybody in church, most everybody in every church I've ever pastored, most every Christian I've ever talked to in a group like this, there's always a certain number of people who, who say Jesus did these things, Jesus is real, Jesus is alive, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, I don't know how that happened, but Jesus rose from the dead and somehow he took away the sins of the world. He took away my sins. And Jesus, Jesus, I believe that he healed people. I believe he fed the multitudes. I believe those things. I believe all the things I've heard about him. But it says here that they began to believe into him, which means that they were putting faith inside of him, that they, were, that they were not just living up here, but they were beginning to trust him so that they were relying upon him. And believing about him, believing what you know about him and trusting him are as different as night and day. If, if I said, if I had a relationship with you, in fact, that's what we're really talking about is the beginning of a relationship right here at this point. If I said I loved you, if we had been spending time together and you began to trust me a little bit and I said I loved you, you would, you would be inclined if your heart was open to begin to believe me. And if I continued with the relationship, if I continued saying I loved you, if I continued participating in life with you like you would in your marriage. If I continued sharing life, you'd find it easy to believe. But if I got up one day and left for three years and didn't say where I was going, or if I, and then I show up three years later today and say, hi, I love you. You say, no, you don't because your actions did not line up with your words. You did not live out what you said. I'm always mindful I try to do this. I know you try to do it. When we sing praise and worship songs or when someone prays, I try to mean it. I try to believe it. I try to, I try to act like it. And sometimes it convicts me of my own inadequacy. Sometimes it says to me, you're not living up to where you ought to be here. So I, I, I repent. I change. I turn around. I adjust. I say, okay, I'm going to continue in that. I've, I've forgotten what it was like to be in the darkness of night and say, the Lord is with me. Because I've been in the darkness of night, and I thought I was alone in the dark, and I was afraid and angry. 
Not really, I'm just making this up. No, really. And then other times I've been alone in the dark of the night and I've said, God is with me. And as Gene said, as Pastor Megan said, as the song said, we strengthen ourselves, we're encouraged. We all of a sudden realize that all we have to do is, you know, we don't have to say, will he be with me this time tomorrow? Will he be with me when I take this step? He's still there. Will, I be with, will he be here when I take this step? And he's still here. It's one thing to start a relationship with the Lord. It's, a, it's another matter entirely to continue it. And sometimes life can be so deceptive that you think you're continuing, you think everything is well when you haven't moved in the right direction for a period of time. So he said in verse 30 again, as he was saying these things, many believed into him. So, in verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, who had believed what he said, who were beginning to trust him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So this is like somebody saying, I believe in Jesus, and Jesus saying back to them, somebody in church says, I believe in Jesus, and somebody in church says back to him, it's nice that you believe, but you have to practice what you believe. You've got to continue in this because you have to be a disciple. This will all come together in a minute, I hope. He says in verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Now, he's been talking about sin because he said to the two verses we read up there above, if you don't believe in me, you're going to die in your sin. So they started to believe in him, and he said, you have to continue in my word if you want to be free from your sin. Now, let me, let me pause again for a minute. When I say <clears throat> free from sin, it draws lots of pictures in all of our minds. It might draw the picture to some of us like I don't have to feel guilty anymore. Almost all of us, it'll draw the picture of when judgment day comes, I won't be condemned because I'm free from my sin. But this morning... And here's where I think the context is right here. Jesus is saying a little bit more than just you not feeling guilty. Feeling guilty, we feel pretty good about ourselves when we get past the guilt that we've, that we've incurred. He's saying, how about you get free of practicing life like you always practice life? Because it is that weakness, that element of our flesh from being below that causes us to stumble at the same places over and over. There's a promise in the scripture that tells me that if I will believe his truth and I will continue into his truth, that I will come to a place that I actually begin to, by his spirit, by his truth inside of me, be free of the things that held me down and held me back. Now, I think every one of us, even if you practice this with all of your heart, mind, and soul, will spend the rest of your life trying to practice to be a better Christian and still miss the ball when you swing the bat occasionally. I don't think there's any way out of that. So there's no condemnation for letting the ball whiz past you. There's no condemnation for missing the thing when it comes to you. There's no condemnation for an opportunity to walk in love and you messing it up. There's no condemnation. That's just your humanity and you are not an offense to God in your imperfection. 
You can't be an offense to God in your imperfection or you could have never gotten saved. You got saved imperfectly. You're struggling towards becoming saved in perfection. You'll always have some imperfections about you. No big deal to him. The big deal is that you practice, that you continue, that you understand that even if you're as spiritual as everybody in the pack, there's probably a place where you could speed on ahead and become more in tune with who he is, what he says, and how he thinks. And he says, if you continue in my words, you shall be free indeed. Free of sin. That's what he's discussing is sin. He said, you'll know the truth in verse 32 again, and the truth will set you free. They, like people in church are to often want to do, answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. We have a covenant, and we've never been enslaved to anyone, which of course wasn't true. So how they missed that, I don't know. How is it that you say you shall become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, so he brought sin back up again. He's talking about being free from sin, is a slave to sin. Everyone who practices it, not stumbles into it, not misses it, who practices it, who gets it in their head that they don't have to, through their relationship with Christ, move on to a deeper intimate relationship with him and get free of things through the truth, but they just think it's okay to be like they were. Notice what he says. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here's the, here's the point. The servant is the one who comes along and says, I believe, I know about these things, I know they're true. I'm going to try and live a little bit better. I'm going to try and do right. Jesus said, that's not really going to work. That's a good start. But what you have to do is move towards me and abide in my word. I'm minded right now what it says in Matthew 28. It says, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy loaded down, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest. When he says, learn from me, he's not saying, come sit at my feet so I can teach you. That's not really what those words there in that sense mean. What they're saying is, look at what I do, and live like I do, and you'll have rest for your soul. You'll still have trouble, but you'll have peace. You'll have rest in your life. Your life will be comfortable. Back over here in John, he makes it very plain that it's the truth that you know, as we've said for so many years, it's the truth that we know that makes us free, but it's also the truth that we practice, that, that we continue to practice, that sets us free from the things that would try and hold us back. So this morning, your fears, your wounds, your disappointments, I don't know that there would be anybody certainly not anybody of a past of a certain age that wouldn't have enough baggage in life 
that they feel like that they just are dragging things from pillar to post. Jesus is saying, there's freedom for you if you continue in my truth so that what went wrong in the past doesn't have to keep shaping your life, shaping your behavior, causing you to bear the consequences, the pain, and the rejection. He's saying, in me, there is newness of life. In me, there is freedom from having to live like you lived before you were born again, how you live perhaps even now in your brokenness and pain. And all of that freedom is found in the continuation of you letting that word sink into your heart where it hits you, where it challenges you. You probably haven't done this. I don't even think Gene's done this, but I've done this. Come to a place in my life where Jesus said, go to the right side of the pulpit. And I said, I like the left side better. No one will know it doesn't hurt anybody. So I went the way that I wanted to go. Now in that small example right there, there's nothing on the other side here waiting. But in your life, there are times when he says, forgive, and you say, I'm hurt and I'm afraid. He says, knowing what's on the other side of the wall, you need to forgive, and you need to forgive right now because your hurt and your fear will get inside of you, and if you don't eventually push it away, it will begin to drive your life. It will begin to shape your mind. It will begin to fill you up with darkness so that light can't forever dwell with darkness. All of your life, you will come to crisis points. There's no way out of it. There's no magic trick. There's no magic truth. There's no amount of truth that you learn that all of a sudden one day you're free. You're never tempted again. You're never hurt again. You're never disappointed again. It goes on all of your life, and it's intentionally goes on all of your life so you can stop and turn and look back to him and see where you need to practice. Thank God he doesn't count your errors against you. But what he does do is give you grace and wisdom and strength to grow little by little by little. The future looms large in all of our lives. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what tomorrow will bring for whatever the circumstances you are that are facing, what I do know, what I do know is that while you can't change your tomorrow, you can be changed yourself. And in that change that you allow yourself, you will be bigger than your tomorrow. You will be more suited than your tomorrow is. You will master your tomorrow in the mastering of yourself. In your patience, Jesus said, Possess your souls. Father, from, <coughs> for all of us, revive your word in our heart. Cause those truths that we've put on the shelf, cause those hopes we've repackaged and stored in the closets, the darkened rooms of our mind, Remind us of your hope for our lives. Remind us of your dream for our future. And by your Spirit, draw us towards you 
that we would live according to your word of truth, that we would value the things that you've said, all of the things that you've said, and that they would be the things that we practiced. Not our sin, not our disappointment, our disobedience, or our fears. I thank you for this, Father, and I thank you. I thank you that you draw men and women unto you, that you draw your people. Like the disciples that were discussed there, like the Jews that were listening to him, that finally had enough courage to believe what you said and start, just like that, just as we do, you say unto us, to be free, you have to abide in my word. So I do, Father, pray that we would all value and honor and hunger for your word, that it brings life and light to us. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.